Bobcat. Nick Harold is a rescue partner, and Joshua McGowan is here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Bowl, presented by the Dynasty Football Wheel. Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins Playground. Nick, what's up, my friend? Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, I'm pretty excited about uh, you guys over there on the mainland going into daylight savings time this weekend. So, yay, NFL starts at 8 a.m. instead of 7 a.m. out here. How are you today? Uh, well, I can tell you I'm not very excited about it being a cool 38 degrees out here in lovely South Dakota uh, with the high of 41. Oh. So, uh, yeah. What we have looked forward today. The leaves are churning, um, and uh, here we are. So uh, 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 yet another week where our Redskins and Raiders won in the same week. Didn't think that would happen very often this year, but uh, here we are. Um, did you get your uh, Kirk Cousins T-shirt yet? I hear they're selling like mad. Yeah, I, I heard he's uh, got those. You like that T-shirts going right now? <laughs> Uh, well, something to build on. I, I think we all can all can hope there. So uh, we have an excellent show t- for you today. I don't I don't know why, Nick, but I just feel like sitting. I was sitting in bed last night, just kind of going over some notes and stuff for the show. I'm like, God, this is going to be a really good show. I don't know why. I'm not, I've never felt that before. So I don't know what you what you want to think about that. You know, sometimes we have when we have like a big guest on or something, I get really nervous. Uh, but today, I just God, this is going to be a great show. We have some great. Great things on, on tap today. Uh, Scott Gimple from Fantasy Chat is stopping by. Maybe that's why I'm excited, because, and maybe maybe a little bit of nervous energy because it's the first time in a long time we've had not uh, guests on not from DFW um, since week one. But uh, uh, Scott and Scott and the fellows over there, Dustin at uh, Fantasy Data, have a lot of great things going on, and we're going to hear some good stuff from him. And we have some great topics to talk about with him as well. Uh, we're going to do some. Uh, uh, sit and start, both offensive and IDP. So uh, I know everybody loves that. It's always good fodder. Um, and that's something we'll talk about with Scott. Um, let's talk about the waiver wire just a little bit. Uh, Nick's going to rant about the Houston Texans, and I am going to wholeheartedly agree with him. Um, we're going to have a, a segment that I've never thought about doing. This is this is maybe why I'm really excited, because these are the notes I was taking when we get to this segment. So I know I'm building it up way too much, but we're going to talk about how to beat the undefeated teams left. Now, I know two of these teams are playing against each other, um, but, uh, man, can you think of a bigger regular season NFL game right now in, like, maybe, like, the last five years than Green Bay going to Denver? I mean, is that – that's going to be a theme throughout the podcast here as we talk about that a, a whole lot. But, I mean, can you think of a bigger game regular season-wise? Uh, no, especially not a division game. To have two uh, two undefeated teams this late in the year at six and zero, oh, yeah, it's pretty rare in the NFL. 
Yeah, we'll get to some dynasty trade analysis as well. Got a great dynasty dilemma as we pit Charles Sims versus Jeremy Lankford. Nick's got a dynasty depth charger for you. And, of course, our buddy Chuck Podice do a little ATS picks. Um, but uh, first, Nick, what did you think about uh, week seven that that was? Any, any, any thoughts? Any thoughts there? Well, I'll start in Miami. It looks like Dan Campbell could be a legitimate head coach. Two weeks now they've come out fired up and got big wins there for the Dolphins. Um, Josh, I'm sure you predicted that your Raiders would be in second place at 3-3 three and three ahead of San Diego and Kansas City at 2-5 and five apiece, uh, just like when you Baltimore would be 1-6, and six, right? Uh, Washington oh, yeah. down 24 to nothing with the biggest comeback in team history that possibly saved uh, Gruden's and Cousins' jobs for now. Anyway, you know after the bye they have to face New England, so good luck with that. Uh, and then the people of uh, London were actually treated to an exciting game over the weekend as Jacksonville, after giving up an early lead, came back to beat Buffalo 34 to 31. Yeah, some some great some great happenings there. Um, I. First and foremost, we're going to get to the, a little bit more on this team later. But seriously, Arian Foster, why was he in the game? I know that has been said over and over again, and I said it myself multiple times on Twitter on Sunday. But you're losing by what tw- four touchdowns, and he's in the game at the end of the end of it when they're losing by that much. I mean, is he on Bill O'Brien's fantasy team or what? I mean, you have the most injury-prone running back that I can think of right now, besides Darren McFadden knock on wood for you Dallas Cowboy fans, um, and he's in the game. Now, if you watched uh, Hard Knocks in HBO this summer, you, you'll you see Arian Foster introduced his trainer, who happens to be his brother, and, you know, talked about, you know, how, how good of a trainer he is, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, when that guy gets constantly injured, and I thought about this all the time during the, the Run DMC era in Oakland, you got to think about, like, the training regiment they're going through. If something's continuously happening, it just can't be bad luck over and over again. So, I mean, I don't know if I would really pump up myself as Arian Foster's trainer, given the health, given the health concerns that he's had throughout his career. So maybe he should fire his brother. I'm, I'm sorry, Wayne Foster, or whatever your name is. I don't know what his name is, but, uh, that's I don't I was just surprised that they made such a big deal about it and obviously it's not working whatever Arian's doing and I I'd be hard pressed to see him step back on the field. Oh, more uh, more Darren McFadden news, Nick. What do you think? Has Darren McFadden killed the Christian Michael hype in Dallas at least for another week? What do you think? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, McFadden appears to be the running back to own. Maybe the only one even worth owning right now there in Dallas. But it is kind of a committee situation, so you could be surprised week to week as far as who's going to be the hot hand there. Yes, and um, this just in: Adrian Peterson. Excuse me, Adrian Peterson. I want everybody to know who I'm talking about, Mr. AP in Minnesota. Uh, he's still an idiot. Apparently, he. Swallowed some chewing tobacco on their uh, flight to the game last week and was put down weird as questionable as a sickness because he swallowed. What is what is a guy like that? I mean, obviously he's got some other issues, but what is a guy like that seriously chewing tobacco for? I mean, I mean, you got to be addicted to something, but seriously, AP, that that's that's what you can come up with. That's the best you can do. I I, I don't think so. I mean. Yes, you're a fine player, but that just 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 concerns me about your well-being, and I feel like you're going to end up like Warren Sapp after the uh, after your career is done and getting all all sorts of weird trouble. But anyway, 
I'm going down an avenue that it's going to get me in trouble. So uh, let's uh, let's continue on here. Um, who did you pick up on the waiver wire this week, Nick? Uh, well, definitely if you're an Arian Foster owner, or even if you're not, Alfred Blue and uh, Chris Polker are definitely worth a look, uh, the two Houston running backs. Again, it's probably going to be another one of those uh, running back by committee situations. You're not going to know which one, if either, is going to put up the numbers from week to week, but they're worth uh, rostering anyway. Um, and uh, I would probably buy low on Brandon LaFell right now, if possible. As pointed out by uh, Bill Servi in his article, he had six drops last week in his first uh, return to action, but that was more than he had all of last year. So so he's a guy that if you can get for cheap right now, I would do it. A um, couple other receivers. I think that uh, when Deshaun Jackson finally returns in Washington, I wouldn't be surprised if Jamison Crowder actually put up bigger numbers than Pierre Garçon. Garçon just uh, doesn't look like him and Cousins uh, have been on the same page. And then in Kansas City, I would uh, take Chris Conley over Albert Wilson moving forward. He was the rookie in Georgia. finally uh, getting some good action there for the Chiefs. And then on the defensive side of the ball, if you're uh, an Antoine Bethea owner who's now on injured reserve, uh, Brandon Merriweather's out there in a lot of leagues. He actually played pretty good football for the Giants, surprisingly enough. Uh, yeah, and uh, speaking of, uh, well, he is a former Redskin, but I, I have noticed that the if you're looking at IDP guys, the Redskins are kind of doing what Arizona continues to do when they're getting like three viable IDP safeties with uh, Trenton Robertson, Deshaun Golston, and is it Keon Jarrett? Is that the other guy, Nick? I noticed they're all getting, they're all getting nice, uh, nice tackle volume there down in Washington. So uh, certainly people to keep your eye on. Um, Dexter McCluster continues to build the PPR reputation. I have this guy in a couple leagues, Nick, and I picked, just picked him up in another this morning. I haven't had the gusto to start him yet, but every time, like, I almost do, and then I'm like, ah, I can't start Dexter McCluster. And I think I even cut him in a dynasty league before before the season in another league. He scored the touchdown. I mean, he's getting five to six receptions per game, and, uh, you know, he's he's doing what he can, and he's kind of, you know, the third down back, and he's, he's probably got – not positive, but I would imagine he probably has the most points of a running back there in Tennessee. I know David Cobb is coming back on the uh, horizon. He's certainly somebody to grab, too, if he is available. But uh, I think there's still a role for McCluster in this offense, as long as he can be that little safety valve there. Um, Clive Wolford, too, seems to be a part of the Raiders' offense post-bye. They they seem to have have him uh, involved, and it sounds like that's going to be more of the case. Um, and what is going on with this Jamison Crowder guy? Is, is he? Is he? Too, I think he's in the mix to stay there in Washington. I think even if Deshaun comes back, I think Crowder maybe comes even a little bit more attractive as you got as you're going to have somebody taking pressure away from him. What can you tell me about Mr. Jamison Crowder there in Washington, Nicky? Gets, he's not scoring touchdowns, but he's getting five to six receptions per game and doing an all right job. Yeah, he really is, and uh, he, he's a guy because of his size, only five foot eight, that a lot of people, myself included, pretty much wrote off before the season. Like, ah, oh, well, what are they even doing drafting a kid that small? But yeah, he's really producing and playing some good football there in Washington. Like I said, I I wouldn't be surprised me at all if he puts up better stats than Pierre Garcon uh, after all three of them with Deshaun Jackson are on the field at the same time. Oh, geez, five foot eight. How did Cleveland not end up with that guy? But uh, <laughs> uh, I guess they, I guess even they don't want to field three three guys under five ten on the field at the same time. But uh, yeah, he's certainly making a reputation for himself. Now, each and uh, Scott's going to be joining us here 
just a few minutes, but each and every week we like to do a little something that we like to call Nick Rants. It's where I give my co-host the floor to rant about something that's bothering me. Uh, sometimes I like to call it shots fired, and uh, sometimes it's a little controversial. Um, but I think if you live in Houston or if you don't, you're certainly going to want to listen to this, and pr- most of you are probably going to agree. So, Nick, what do you got for us? Uh, so I get it. Going into last week at 2-4, and four, Texans head coach Bill O'Brien is squarely on the hot seat. So when he went into halftime down 41 to nothing, he may have been worried that if he didn't make the final score more respectable, he'd be out of a job on Monday. But as a head coach, you have a responsibility to think long-term about your team's success. Players are asked all the time to make sacrifices for the betterment of the team, and coaches should lead by example. So down 41 to nothing at halftime, Houston should have treated the second half like a preseason game. Sit the starters and let some youngsters gain some valuable experience. By all means, you should not put your studs on the field in an unwinnable situation. Guys like J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, they have no business being out there, and especially an injury-prone player like Arian Foster, who was starting to look okay again before torn Achilles and uh, suffered in garbage time. So what, you only lost 44-26, to but you may not win another game all year with no good running backs and a joke of a quarterback situation. And, you know, I know this is the second time in less than half the season I've ranted about uh, the head coach O'Brien's decision-making, but from the quarterback shuffling at bad timing to this, it just seems like they're battling Cleveland for the worst decision-making in the NFL. And, you know, they're probably winning, if that's what you'd call it. Uh, it's not just Bill O'Brien's offense that's bad, too. How does a defense with the NFL's best defensive player, J.J. Watt, rank in the bottom three in points allowed in the NFL? The uh, crazy thing is, at 2-5, and five, they're only one game out of first place in that AFC South. It's just a terrible division. But, you know, I get the feeling that a fourth-place finish is where he's headed. And full disclosure, I only won one of my fantasy matchups last week because of Foster's garbage time production, and I'm loaded at running back in that league as well. I'm not going to really need him moving forward. He wasn't a normal starter for me, so even though it helped me out, it was still just a horrible decision there by O'Brien. Josh? Uh, yeah, and now we have that back and forth. Like, I was calling for O'Brien's head and Ryan Mallett's head on Sunday, especially after the, the miss, missed plane flight, and O'Brien finally wises up, okay, we're going to cut Mallet, and then the GM vetoes it, and then after more meetings, they decide to go with that decision. I mean, what is going on in Houston? They just need to fire everybody and move that team to L.A. How about that, Nick? The L.A. Texans, what do you think? But, yeah, there's uh, – I mean, that sounds about as plausible as the San Antonio Raiders. But, uh, yeah, the, I just – don't know what's going on. There is too many exceptional players on that team. I mean, like you said, JJ Watt, DeAndre Hopkins. These are these are like top ten players. These guys are top five, top three. You know, and JJ Watt's JJ Watt was the MVP last year, or at least a at least a certainly a NFL's top one hundred player. I mean, we're talking about the best player in the league. That's got to that's got to elevate the people around you. And why is that not happening? I mean, I. I am sorry, Texans fans, but I mean this is this is the worst two and four team I think I have ever seen. And and, and no disrespect to you know Brian Hoyer, who actually I think is playing fairly well. But I mean there something has to give, and I don't just don't know how Bill O'Brien has continued to keep this job because something something is not right there, and it just doesn't seem to to matter to anybody. But it's still just not. Uh, not happening, unfortunately. So, uh, like I said, Scott's going to be joining us here in just a minute. But uh, yeah, I oh, it's just 
it's frustrating to see an NFL team run like that, and that just and with with that much talent. I mean, that being said, you know, J.J. Watt's actually doing fairly well. DeAndre Hopkins had his worst game of the year, but he's still just a just a player and 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 doing things. So don't don't uh, don't misconstrued this rant as a as a as us talking you out of your players there i mean if you own one of those two guys you certainly gotta hold on tight there but uh oh houston so that that's where we're at here nick um i was gonna ask you too why we're talking about houston what do you think about the um the uh the running backs that are left, would you would you go after Polk or would you go after Blue? I've been looking at Polk on the waiver wire like for the last three weeks, just just wanting to grab him and I haven't pulled the trigger. What do, what do you think about those two guys? Well, it seems like Blue is ahead of Polk in the in the pecking order there, but I've just never been that impressed with Alfred Blue and his running style. So I, I think it, maybe it's just a gut feeling, but I think Polk long term will be the uh, more productive back over the whole rest of the season. But if you just need somebody for a plug and play for this week, I would go blue. Yeah, you know, I think Polk definitely runs with a lot more power, which I which I really like about him. And and you know, Blue did have one decent game this year, but yeah, I just I. I think he still lacks experience, and every, it seems like every time he's had a, an opportunity, it just hasn't really, really happened for him. So, uh, we got Scott here from Fantasy Dad on the phone. So, patch him. Scott, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Can you hear? Can you hear us? Okay. I can. Yeah. How you guys doing? All right. Good. Good. Just. Uh, I think. Hope you're not a Texan fan because we just got done bashing them. Uh, but uh, if you um, are, no, it actually uh, filled off yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, we have some, we know some great Philly fans. But anyway, um, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us, tell us about what uh, fantasy data is all about there? Sure. Yeah. So uh, my name is Scott Kimple, and uh, I founded Fantasy Data um, actually back in 2008. Um, and we were basically the way we started was a uh, NFL data provider. So we would basically collect NFL stats and scores and organize them into a nice clean data feed that clients could then uh, pull from us and, you know, use that information, display it on their website. Um, there weren't really too many mobile apps back then, but um, so that kind of got started with mostly, you know, in the web business or the analytics business. Um, and, um, and we kind of evolved from there. Actually, the company used to be called NFL Data, and we rebranded about two years ago to Fantasy Data. So we could get into covering more sports than just the NFL. Um, but, you know, NFL is kind of our bread and butter, what we've been doing for a while. And um, so that's primarily how we make money is just, with, you know, with the uh, selling the, the raw data feeds. But then also we have a um, section of our site that's devoted to interesting NFL stats that you can sort and filter and, um, you know, choose different scoring systems, FanDuel and DraftKings and, you know, see who the fantasy leaders are week to week and for the season and, you know, kind of see some interesting stats. We also have um, some snap count data on our website um, that's available for a, um, a, a membership, $10 membership that, uh, you know, a lot of people enjoy using that, that gives you some pretty good insight into, um, you know, who's actually playing, who's on the field the most. Um, and then also when they're on the field, are they being targeted a lot? Are they getting a lot of handoffs or, you know, are they being utilized? So, you know, a lot of that stuff is really interesting. Um, and then, of course, we have, you know, a whole lot of different stuff. We have team stats and team rankings and, 
you know, it's a it's a good way to uh, take a look at the uh, the scope of the league and find out which teams are really playing the best, which teams maybe have a better record than they are, a worse record than they are, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, but that's basically what we are, what we do, um, and uh, yeah, very cool. And I, I you do the the snap counts for uh, IDP too, which is something that we're really into here, especially at full IDP leagues. And, and uh, we, we've appreciated that here that you guys have been able to help us out with that. That's been, that's been a nice, a nice tool to have. And it, it really hasn't helped me out with going on with that, with the uh, Cleveland defensive rotation, but uh, I'm trying to understand what, what exactly is going on there. But, uh, <laughs> and you, you guys are at least, get, you guys are at least getting me part of the way there, but uh uh, it's it's great to have a a, a stat uh, stat junkie. Is that, I mean, is that okay to call you that? <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's what we do. All right. Consider considering some of the some of the topics. So Scott's going to help us out a little bit with uh, some of that. Nick, did you have any questions for Scott? Well, you mentioned you're an Eagles fan. Uh, the Eagles are actually my pick to win the Super Bowl this year in the preseason. I was wondering what your take was on that team and if you think they're going to get things turned around. Uh, you know, actually, I, I'm fairly optimistic compared to uh, the rest of the fan base only because um, the defense is playing pretty well. So they're going to kind of be in games a lot if they can just clean up the offense. Um, but, I mean, the way I see it is, you know, Bradford obviously needs to play better. Uh, receivers need to stop dropping passes. I don't know if you watched the game on Monday, but I think the Eagles are breaking records and drop passes. And... Um, Murray needs to get less playing time and Ryan Matthews and Sproles need to play more just because they're, they're just more effective right now in this offense. Um, I don't know. Murray, he, he was, he was great last year in Dallas. I don't know if, if the 400 carries wore him out. I don't know if maybe the offense is not as tuned to his skills as the Cowboys offense or combination of all those things. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, they also need to, you know, make sure that they put the best players in the field, but you know, I'm, it, it's good to see their their defense because um, for years the Eagles have had this awful secondary that couldn't stop anyone, and now they're actually um, really been, been playing well, sound defense. So that's also really encouraging. I guess, like, you know, from the Philadelphia fan base, they see, oh, you know, Bradford stinks, receivers drop passes, this team can't go anywhere. But the other side of the corn, I mean, they would be 0-7 if their defense played like they did last year. So, you know, it's good that they at least have that going for them. And two guys that don't get nearly enough credit on that defense are Fletcher Cox, who's actually come out and had some great, pretty good stat-worthy IDP games the last couple of weeks. But mm-hmm. Danny Logan, uh, your defensive tackle, is just an absolute beast. I, I don't know if I've seen a defensive tackle with so much lateral movement that causes destruction. It's just it's just unbelievable. And I know it's not necessarily translating for you IDP, IDP guys, but – Oh man, mm-hmm. he is just a menace. I I wish I had a couple of those on my Oakland Raiders. That's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, he was a uh, he was a good pickup. Another guy who is coming on strong is uh, Jordan Hicks, a rookie inside linebacker. I think in IDP he's actually leading the Eagles in IDP fantasy points, if I'm not mistaken. But he's another guy who um you know could be a hot linebacker for years to come. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I think he's he's getting some good uh, good experience, and that's certainly going to help help him and the Eagles along the way. Um, a couple more things about the site, you know, as as somebody uh, who's uh, you know into stats just a little bit myself, uh, I, I've 
obviously been to multiple different sites and I totally appreciate how, how, how user friendly it is. And it, it still, it still looks good. I mean, I know that, I know that sounds a little bit weird, but it just has like this nice professional kind of, kind of clean look to it, but it's so, Mm -hmm. and it's so user friendly at the same time, which I totally appreciate. And like I said, there's others, you know, kind of premium stat sites out there that you can go mm-hmm. to, but I, I I really prefer your guys just because of that. It's just so. I mean, I know where everything is. I mean, and I knew where everything is five minutes into using the website. I, I just could figure it mm-hmm. out. And there was a couple things that I, you know, on other sites that I've had trouble with. And it's just, you know, I'm, I, you know, you spend a couple, you know, five ten minutes searching through pages and pages and stuff to find one particular thing, and then you don't find it on these other sites. I go to your mm-hmm. site and boom, I can find it exactly. And I and I already know where to look after only visiting the site once. So I, I totally appreciated that. And well, like that's I said, awesome. it's yeah, fan- that's great feedback. Yeah, it's fantasydata.com. And if if you want to go there right now, you can just watch a little video, a little bit of a video right there on the homepage of what they do and how they can help you out. And if you have a, a website and you need got said and need a little a little help or some some help with some 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 statistics or some graphs, they, they can help you out with that too. So not only are they, they out there just providing great stats, they're also helping other people along the way, you know, basically supporting other websites, would you say? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we go through, you know, we've, we've thought about putting ads on our website, but you know, right now there are no ads on our website, which definitely gives a very predictable user experience that you're not going to have videos loading and, and all that other crap that you get with all these other websites, um, overlay ads, all these intrusive things. So, you know, it's just we have a premium membership for 10 bucks a month, and, um, but a lot of the stats you can just browse for free. And, yeah, it's, it's awesome that we can offer that without, you know, cluttering it up with ads, which, you know, definitely, definitely deters users and frustrates them because it's done that to me too. Mm. Yeah, and even if you spend, like, even if you just throw in a twenty twenty dollar bill on your home fantasy league, and you think, well, she's ten bucks a month, that it's 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 so worth it. I mean, taking taking money from your friends in a fantasy league is so worth it. And this, these yeah. guys are gonna these guys are gonna help you do that. And it's just you're gonna learn so much, and it's gonna, you know, it's gonna, you know, just just kind of maybe invigorate you or awaken things in you and make you see see things in a different light. And it's gonna help. It's gonna help you predict what's going to happen, you know, week to week. And obviously as you go through and set your lineup, you'd, you'd kind of like to know how things are going to go. So it's, that's, it's, uh, it's very, very nice. And that very nice tool that I've certainly appreciated. So, um, yeah, no problem. Thank And thank you again for helping us out of DFW and, and the ways that you guys have, and we, we really appreciate it. Um, I know uh, Sean is is all about you guys, and uh, I think Bruce is the one that uh, Bruce Kimbrough is the one that signed it. Bruce, I don't know if you know Bruce at all, but he's he's a madman, and he's he is ravenous about your site as well. So, um, don't know if I've ever used the word ravenous on the podcast before, but there it was, people. Um, I'm sure I have. Uh, let's get to some offensive sit and stardom. Uh, let's hit a Dolphins receiver and this. What looks to be a pretty decent Thursday night matchup. I know people people want to jump all over all over and say New England's going to crush him, but I, I think Miami might actually be able to hang in this one. So Scott, what do you think? Can you can you pick one Dolphins receiver that's going to have a decent game here? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the way Miami's played, uh, especially last week and I think the week before, too, you know, if they play like that, then they'll certainly hang with them. I know the Jets hung with the Patriots largely because they play good defense. But, um, yeah, as far as the Dolphins receivers, I mean, you know, I guess it kind of depends what uh, what scope of, of game you're playing. But, um, you know, Jarvis Landry is probably going to be always the best bet because he gets utilized so much. Um, so in our snap, snap count data, we have a uh, – utilization percentage, which is basically the percentage of, of snaps that he's on the field that this player gets a handoff or is targeted with a pass. And Jarvis Landry is utilized 18% of the time. So he gets a ton of targets. If you're playing in a PPR league, he you know, tends to rack up a lot of receptions. Um, he's probably the, the top – oh, he's definitely the top guy. Although uh, Matthews, Richard Matthews, um, is not too far behind him. So when I kind of took a look a little bit closer, um, I saw that, you know, it, it, so if you're playing PPR, definitely Landry. Um, if you're playing a game where, you know, maybe PPR is less relevant or not used, you might want to look at Matthews. And if you're playing Daily Fantasy, um, if you're playing on FanDuel, there's about maybe a $1,000 difference between Landry and Matthews. So you might get a little bit better value with, with Matthews there. But, um, if you're playing on DraftKings, there's even a bigger disparity. I think um, I think it's like a two thousand dollar difference between Matthews and Landry. So if you're playing on um, DraftKings, Matthews could be a, a pretty good steal. You know, hoping that he does get a couple big plays because he's more of a, a downfield receiver, whereas Landry is like a you know like a short intermediate uh, you know high reception receiver. Um, but um, they actually both have pretty equal production in terms of fantasy points if you're not playing PPR. So I think we actually have Matthews as having slightly more fantasy points in non-PPR formats than Landry, but you know, it really depends on the format. PPR, definitely Landry. Um, daily, especially if you're playing on DraftKings, I would say Matthews is a great value. All right. Nick, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think especially in a PPR format, you'd have to go with Jarvis Landry. He's just so consistent there. And Richard Matthews has uh, played pretty well these last couple of weeks. And the thing of when you're playing New England, uh, the Patriots are really good at taking away the, or their opponent's best player. I believe they're going to focus on trying to shut Lamar Miller down this week. But if you think that they're going to focus more on Landry, then you might want to go with a guy like Richard Matthews. So no love for Kenny Stills or Greg Jennings or Devontae Parker. Well, I know Parker, and I'm sure Scott can agree. So I think Parker's snap count's going down over the last couple of weeks, so he's kind of a, kind yeah. of a, a last ditch effort. And if if you're desperate to that type of thing, but I know um, Stills has kind of been up and down in this offense. But I agree, and don't get the Landry is like you guys have said. You've talked him up so much. People still don't necessarily respect this guy like they should. I mean, you know that class last year was so so good that Odell Beckham's the guy that gets all the press and he's kind of had an eh year as far as I'm concerned. Landry mm-hmm. is just so consistent and he's he's just a player. He's he's probably a guy that I uh, in terms of percentage owned throughout my leagues, he's a guy that I have I have in, in more leagues than just about anybody else and uh, uh, yeah, he's just such, such an ace in the hole and he returns kicks for them too and uh, yeah, he's just just such a great player, but I do think uh, Malcolm Butler is growing up very good in a hurry and uh, the Super Bowl hero, of course. But uh, I think you're going to see him locked tight on Landry. So um, I'm not going to 
bench Landry, but if I have to pick one, I think I would certainly go Matthews. And I and I love the uh, love the daily uh, daily intel there from you, Scott. Um, any any top? Do you want to say something on those other receivers there, Scott? Um, I mean, not really. I, you know, they haven't really done much this year. Um, you know, Parker's a rookie, and like you said, his snap counts aren't exactly going up. Um, you know, the other guys, like I would have, I would have to wait to have them show me something, I guess, um, a little bit more consistently before going with them. Um, you know, it's really just it's Matthews, Landry, kind of those are the top targets. Um, but you know, until until Kenny Stills or some of the other guys show something, you know, it's they're probably too risky of a play. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Okay, uh, Nick, let's start with you. What do you think about Philip Rivers at Baltimore or Joe Flacco versus the Chargers? A couple guys going against each other. Nick, what do you think? Oh, I have to go with Philip Rivers all the way here. Uh, Melvin Gordon could end up being the next Monty Ball. It's still early in his career, but he really has not looked good there in San Diego running the football. So San Diego's been forced to throw it a lot. Uh, it's not a good way to win ball games, as you can see by their 2-5 and five record, but there's a lot of fantasy goodness to be had when Rivers is throwing 58 times like he did last week when he had 336 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, whereas Baltimore, if they can take the lead, they can run the ball pretty well with Forsett and Buck Allen. Uh, plus, you have to look at the receiving weapons, and you know, i got to give the San Diego there, so I'd take Philip Rivers. Huh. You make some great points, Nick. I thought this was maybe a little bit closer, but maybe I just maybe I got too much love for Flacco. Scott, what do you think? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I would definitely say Philip Rivers. Um, I mean, both quarterbacks, they're capable of putting up big games, especially because their respective defenses are not playing too well. Actually, let me double-check that. The, the Chargers defense is actually playing okay this year, um, especially against um, opposing quarterbacks. Um, now, one thing about the Ravens is that they actually lead the league in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks, with I think 21 wow. fantasy points per game. So the Ravens have the softest fantasy pass defense. Um, so in this one, you know, you'd kind of have to go with the uh, with Rivers just because, you know, he has the ability. He, he's actually played really well, even though the Chargers are losing a lot. Um, and he has the ability to put up some big numbers, you know, take out some frustrations this week against the, uh, you know, the awful Ravens secondary. I'm not sure how it got so bad um, over the years because, you know, they're not that far from winning the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, in the NFL, things change in a hurry, and right now they are pretty soft in the back end. So, um, and, you know, to, to uh, Nick's point, you know, their, their running game isn't stellar. Um, their defense isn't that stellar. So, you know, if they do end up giving up a lot of points, I think he could have, um, you know, an opportunity for both quarterbacks to put up some good numbers. But really just having the worst pass defense in the league that the Ravens have, I mean, that kind of becomes a no-brainer. Uh, yeah, that's very good points by both of you there. And I think the other thing, I think, I think you're both right, and I, and I still think that, there's a way that Baltimore wins this game, and I think that's gonna that's gonna play into to uh, Rivers having like a really good second half. Is he's just gonna have to to air it out. And and another thing about that Baltimore defense, I think losing Terrell Suggs was was way bigger than people expected it to be. Um, at least at least for my for me, I thought they had some young players that could maybe step in and mix and match and rush the rush the pass, but they just cannot get after the quarterback at all. That's not going to help your secondary out whatsoever. 
Um, Scott, start with you again here. Uh, a couple big names. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey going against a, a nice a nice cornerback trio there in Minneapolis there. Actually, in game in Chicago. Uh, so Alshon versus the Vikings. Or Randall Cobb versus uh, Chris Harris and uh, this awesome Denver defense. What do you think? Well, yeah, the um, I mean the Denver defense is pretty sick, so you don't usually want to go against them. But in this case, um, Cobb has much better quarterback play, and he's a lot more talented than Alshon Jeffrey and Alshon Jeffrey's quarterback play. So I would probably take the chance over there. Um, not too crazy about, I mean, you know, the Bears offense has been pretty inconsistent and not, you know, not really anything you want to use fantasy-wise outside of Matt Forte. But, um, you know, it's, so I, I would just have to go with the uh, with the um, Randall Cobb. And the Vikings, if the Vikings had a softer pass defense, um, maybe you could look at Jeffrey, but... Uh, you know, given that their defense is pretty stout, I mean, I think them and the Broncos both have top five defenses and in, in points allowed anyway. Um, so I would I would probably have to go with Cobb here. Okay. Well, I'm going to disagree with you, and I don't I don't have awesome stats like you you do to back it up. But I feel like just in terms of game flow, um, I think where you know you did talk about the the Chicago offense being inconsistent, but I, I, and, and, and Minnesota has not won in Chicago in, in a couple of years. I don't know the exact year there, but um, I feel like Minnesota has a lead in this game and, and Cutler's just going to have to air it out the second half. And that, and that certainly plays, plays into Jeffrey where I feel this Denver and Green Bay game points are going to be at a premium. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think ball control is going to be huge. I think you're going to see, you know, I think you're going to see 10 to possibly 10 to 15 carries from both Lacey and Starks. And so I think even though Manning's not Peyton Manning of three years ago, they're going to want to do what they can to eat up as much clock on their drives. And, and Aaron Rodgers is a smart cookie and he's not going to take, take chances unless they're, you know, in the fo- unless they're in the fourth quarter and they're needing points. So I, I don't know if Cod's necessarily going to have a good game at, uh, I don't, I don't know a better cornerback in the league right now than Chris Harris either. So I think that's going to be one of my favorite matchups to watch this week. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I don't love either of them this week just because of the matchups uh, going against two tough defenses. But uh, if you're asking me to pick between a receiver that's playing with Jay Cutler and Aaron Rodgers, i got to go with Aaron Rodgers' guy. Even though Cutler is playing better football this year than we're used to seeing from him, but still, Aaron Rodgers, is he's in a league of his own as far as quarterbacks right now in the NFL. So I'll take uh, Randall Cobb. All right. Um, Eddie Lacy sticking in the same game here just a little bit. Uh, Eddie Lacy at Denver. Um, and and maybe Scott can uh, pontificate here a little bit for us more on the Denver defense. Or So Eddie Lacy at Denver or Chris Ivory at Oakland. Scott, let's start again with you. And is, I mean, like you, you said, they were they were sexy. But, I mean, is, is this Denver defense is really – as good on paper as, as we see when you watch them just crush running backs the second they get the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they are. Um, and Lacey hasn't really had that good of a year. 
Um, I kind of compare him maybe to DeMarco Murray, where he's just had a disappointing start. Hasn't really been that effective. I think James Starks has been a little bit more effective this year. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not crazy about Eddie Lisi, Broncos defense, um, because the Broncos just have, you know, they have horses, like, from the front to the back. Um, Brandon Marshall, their inside linebacker, is playing. He might be one of the best inside linebackers in the league. Well, he probably is. Um, so I, I'm not crazy about the Lacey matchup. Chris Ivory has played pretty well this year. Um, he has a couple had a couple huge games, and you know he's kind of just been he's lit it up a lot more than Lacey. And I think his matchup is a little bit easier going against Oakland. I didn't check Oakland's defense rankings, but um, I don't think they're at the top. I think they're probably probably somewhere in the middle of the pack as far as fantasy points allowed to running backs. Um, I could I could pull that up, but. Um, but yeah, I definitely like Ivory better. I mean, until Lacey shows something, I can't really, uh, I can't really bet on him unless you know. But if you're playing a redraft league, I mean, he's probably one of your top running backs. He probably would start him because he probably don't have too many options outside him. Um, but um, you know, for 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 the daily angle, if you're playing daily fantasy, and then you know, DraftKings like just like the other scenario earlier, DraftKings has some pretty soft salaries. Um, they kind of don't catch up as quickly as some of the FanDuel ones that I'm seeing. So on FanDuel, Chris Ivory will be about a thousand bucks more than Lacey um, because he's played a lot better this year. Whereas on DraftKings, they're right about neck and neck. Um, so in that case, you know, if you're playing on DraftKings, I would definitely avoid Lacey and look at Ivory as someone who you'd play instead of him. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see how, how that plays out because I think, and maybe you can you can uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but I feel, I mean, I, I'm an Oakland Raiders fan and I know how bad their cornerbacks are. I know how bad the secondary is minus Charles Woodson. Um, so, you know, they maybe air it out a little bit more, but um, uh, it's just crazy how the NFL tides turn. I mean, if we would have talked about this preseason, you know, thinking about Bench and Lacey for Chris Ivory, I think a lot of people just would have laughed at us. But th- this is where we're at. This is how, this is the, uh, you know, the how the how the how the quilt has patched together so far the end of this NFL season. So, uh, uh, yeah, Chris Chris Ivory seems to be a, a, a overwhelming uh, overwhelming start over Eddie Lacey, and I think a lot of people would agree with us. Nick, are, are you in that same boat? Yeah, make it three for three. Uh, Eddie Lacy just kind of scares me. Uh, Starks was playing better football before the bye last week for Green Bay, so I would almost, I would almost start James Starks over Eddie Lacy. Uh, plus, uh, like you guys mentioned, the Denver defense is better than Oakland's defense, so I would take Ivory, even though he got kind of shut down a little bit by New England last week. You know, he's the Jets' best player on offense, so that was kind of to be expected. I think he's going to rebound this week against Oakland. Okay. Um, Nick, let's start with you. Um, this is maybe the least sexiest sit in stardom, but uh, can you pick a tight end in the uh, in the Green Bay Denver game as we continue to talk about this game? Uh, you know, got Owen Daniels, Virgil Green, Richard Rogers. Uh, that I don't know if anybody else is going to say anybody else besides that. But uh, what, what do you think there, Nick? Uh, uh, I wouldn't want to start any of them, but I guess I'd probably go with Owen Daniels just on the off chance that, you know, Peyton Manning uses his tight ends in the red zone a little more than Aaron Rodgers does, uh, historically anyway. So I guess I would throw the dart with Owen Daniels. 
Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Virgil Green because I feel like he could have one of those games where he he has three catches for 20 yards and and maybe two touchdowns just because, like I talked about earlier with the with the Cobb versus Jeffrey, I think it's like game flow and that's you know that's going to be huge and uh, especially in the red zone, we know. Denver's running backs aren't doing a whole lot of damage, and I know Green Bay's not the best team against the run, but they're just not doing a whole lot of damage. So you got to – I think you definitely got to look at the Denver. Maybe maybe Scott can disagree. What do you think, Scott? Um, I mean, I actually uh, – when I looked at this, um, I actually had Richard Rodgers as the uh, the top tight end of the game, um, I guess for a couple reasons. The first one is that um, he's kind of been the most consistent as far as getting targets, you know, uh, Rodgers targets him, targets him about four times a game, um, and every game the series had at least three targets. So, so that makes me feel like you know he's going to get targeted, and I think that with the Denver secondary being so locked down, maybe Richard Rodgers is one of the few guys who could um, you know get mashed up on a linebacker, or maybe get some height advantage over a corner or a safety if he gets mashed up against one of those guys. So I would kind of go with Richard Rodgers, um, just kind of, you know, hope that he can get a touchdown for you and, and get some targets there. Um, you know, he's kind of been like a solid three, four point a week guy. Um, you know, it's, I also thought about Owen Daniels because there is always that chance that he will catch a touchdown. You know, he's just kind of, you know, you, I guess that, that's how it is with tight ends. You just kind of hope that they catch that touchdown <laughs> yeah. that you want. You know, if they're like a 30-yard receiving average per week, you know, you just – Hope hopefully he gets a touchdown this week. So, but I was gonna, I was, I would go with Richard Rodgers in this one. Okay, well we got one egg in each basket there. Um, I guess we could call that like the, the Scott Chandler effect, you know. Just, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people would be happy if your guy caught one pass for six yards and a touchdown. That 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 that's a game for a tight end. <laughs> and I imagine <laughs> most of these guys, since they're not, you know, top. 15 options probably have a pretty decent daily salary value, wouldn't you think there, Scott? Yeah, I imagine they're all pretty cheap. I didn't actually look these guys up, um, but, you know, that would definitely play yeah. a factor. I mean, if there's a big disparity, um, you know, you, maybe you would second guess. But, yeah, Rodgers, Daniels, probably all pretty cheap. Um, then you can put money into your running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, and, uh, you know, go with a tight end that you hope just catches a touchdown for you. Okay. Well, I, I hope we helped help somebody out with that. Maybe you, you win your when you win your million this weekend on your daily game. You just uh, <laughs> just remember who helped you out, guys. Um, all right, this is something. This is I prefaced this earlier in the show, and I'm super excited about it. This is this is going to make it one of our best podcasts ever. So 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 no pressure, Scott. But how <laughs> we can, and, and I know we've talked about this game a whole lot, uh, and something's obviously got to give unless they tie. Uh, which please don't happen. Um, me and Donovan McNabb don't want that to happen. But obviously Denver and Green Bay are both still undefeated. Uh, and there's three more undefeated teams left in the NFL. So why don't we start, since we've been talking about them so much, let's just get the first two out of the way. How do we beat these undefeated teams left, Scott? And let's start with uh, the Denver Broncos. Well, the Broncos are um... – I mean, one thing that all five of the undefeated teams have in common is that they all play really good defense. So when you look up their, their stats, the Broncos have the best defense in the league, which is, you know, really the reason why they're undefeated. I mean, Peyton Manning hasn't played well. Actually, um, believe it or not, the, uh, 
the Broncos are last in the NFL in quarterback rating. So they've had the worst quarterback play in the league so far, and they're still undefeated. And that's because their defense is playing at such a high level. So, um, you know, in order to beat them, I think you need to play great defense and take advantage of uh, these, some of the turnovers that are going to be there for you. Um, because, you know, Peyton Manning has turned the ball over a lot. And, um, you know, you also need to not turn it over yourself. I think to beat the Broncos, you need to win the turnover battle. Um, and you need to also play good defense or else you're just going to, you're going to have a really tough time, but you know, any, any team that can play good defense can definitely beat the Broncos, especially if you get some turnovers in your favor, but you know, it is important for, for you to protect the ball when you're, when you're playing them. Uh, yeah, I've I kind of have the same angle there. You know, Peyton's got 10 picks on the year, uh, but thankfully this team has only lost one fumble. I think they've only fumbled the ball twice and they've only lost one, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, and the Denver defense has uh, caused 18 turnovers. So yeah, you have to, you have to win that turnover battle. And, uh, so, and, and that's, and how do you, how do you beat them? You just, like you said, you have to, you don't turn the ball over and you must capitalize on any turnovers that, that you cause, even if it's just field goals, you have to points on the board. I mean, it's, I keep saying, and I know it's the Oakland Raider fan of me, but this team just keeps getting lucky every single week. It's like, Oh, their defense scored again. So they, they, there you go, Peyton. I mean, I, I wonder how many, I think Peyton's got seven or eight, maybe six or seven touchdown passes. And I think their defense has three or four defensive touchdowns. So you have to, you have to capitalize. I guess you have to keep their defense from scoring too, which would be, which would be huge. And that's how you, you know, don't don't turn the ball over. Um, but man, this is a this is a, gr- a great matchup, and we'll get to Green Bay after this. But uh, yeah, you have to capitalize on any opportunity that they give you. And and we know Peyton, where he's been down, he still has that ability to rear back and make one huge play at in the moment, and we saw that when he, with that beautiful throw to Emmanuel Sanders down the field last last in their last game versus the Cleveland Browns. He, he made the one play that he needed to, um, and again, it's like he's Trent Dilfering his way through the season, but uh, that, that's kind of where we're at, and uh, if if you don't capitalize on on the uh, on their mistakes, this, that's where that's it's going to happen again. You're gonna you're gonna lose, and they're gonna get lucky again. So, Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I think you guys hit on all the big things. Uh, you got to win the turnover battle. Don't don't make mistakes against that opportunistic defense in Denver has, and uh, uh, force them into third and long, and make Peyton Manning beat you, and just wait for the gift from uh, <laughs> from the turnover machine there. Yeah. Um... You know, like Scott said, all these teams. One thing they have in common is defense. All these teams certainly have. Uh, you know, you know, Peyton's not there, but the rest of these teams have uh, have been had elite quarterback play this year, and that's certainly no coincidence. Uh, Nick, we'll start with you here again. Uh, let's, what do you think about Green Bay? How do you beat those Green, the Green Bay Packer team? <clears throat> Well, you got to control the clock, uh, keep Aaron Rodgers and company on the sidelines. Uh, you got to score touchdowns, not field goals, because you know the Packers are going to score. Uh, did you know, actually, that Green Bay is allowing the least amount of points in the NFL? I would not have guessed that. It's crazy to think if that trend continues, combined with the offense that they have there, uh, 
what the limit could be there in Green Bay. Uh, on defense, I would try to stop the uh, big guys, Starks, Lacey, and uh, Randall Cobb, make the younger players try to beat you. They probably will with Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, but, you know, at least try to stop the big names there. And uh, above all, don't jump off sides because every time this year I've seen somebody jump off sides against the Packers, Aaron Rodgers takes a deep shot, and most often he connects. <laughs> oh, Scott, what do you think? Um, yeah, I'm kind of in the same uh, same court here. Um, you know, the, the Packers will just be – they might be the toughest team to beat of all the undefeated teams because Rodgers plays, is, plays such tight football. He doesn't turn it over. Um, he always makes good decisions. And the defense being at the elite level, the best in the league, um, just makes them a really tough team. I mean, it's uh, – you know, you've got to get lucky. Um, definitely you want to limit Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you don't want to let him beat you. Um, you want to make him earn it, you know, chip, chisel away at it. And also, if you can shut down the running game um, against the Packers, which, you know, a lot of good defenses can do, it could put – it could give you the ability to uh, to put some good pass rush on Rodgers, which, you know, he's not the kind of quarterback that you want to blitz. He's kind of like Tom Brady where he'll – will kill you if, if you blitz them. But, you know, if you can get pass rush with four or five guys and then you could be in a pretty good spot to stay in the game late and then, and then pull it out. But um, yeah, I mean, you can't turn it over against these top notch teams, obviously, um, you know, unless you're a top notch team yourself, but, um, but yeah, I think they're them and the, and the, well, the Patriots and the Bengals are certainly the three toughest teams to beat right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Green Bay, I, I think you got to keep Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. When he has the ability to to extend plays, to roll out and create, I feel like that's when he does the biggest damage because that allows you know the receivers downfield to adjust and make things. So I think you got to keep him in the pocket. You got to let your 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 biscuit eaters up front just splatter the guy. Um, you know what I'm talking about the defensive tackles, Geno Atkins. The I think the biscuit eater term was coined back in the Gilbert Brown days, so I'm using it against the Green Bay guys, but um, you got to keep him in the pocket. you got to collapse the edges with your with your strong side and weak side linebacker and make sure you have the strong safety uh, keeping, keeping, keeping those guys backed up as well. And obviously your quarterbacks have your corners have to do their job in keeping the, keeping the receivers from cutting cutting inside and I think it seems seems very simple for me to say, but I think if you do all that, uh you you'll be have your interior D lineman play janitor and just, just clean up. I know it sounds simple but that's that's the uh, X's and O's that I laid out there to uh to beat Rogers. You just gotta keep him in the pocket. Easier said than done, but uh and when I keep when I when I kept thinking about how to how to address this one, I, I feel like if I had to pick one team that could beat these guys on a neutral field, I think it would be uh, Cincy. I, I I would not will not be surprised if they lose to uh, Denver this week just because it's in Denver. Uh, but uh, I think Cincy could take this team down on a neutral field. I don't know about in Green Bay, but I think Cincy has has the goods. And I know we're not going to see that unless they play each other in the Super Bowl, which is maybe a Super Bowl call. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. So, uh, Scott, let's start with you here. Cincinnati Bengals. How do you beat them, Cincinnati Bengals? Um, well, I mean, Andy Dalton has played really well this year. He's actually he actually has the best quarterback rating in the league. So 
Um, you know, he's playing at the same level as Brady and Rodgers and all the other studs. So, you know, that's obviously great for Cincinnati. It makes them, you know, it makes them where you can't really take him out of that top top three list of teams because he's played so well. But um, I don't know. I mean, if there's a way to do it, if there's a way to get him to to have those uh, brain farts that he's had in previous years, especially in the playoffs, um, I think that would be the way to beat them. Um, they play really good defense, just like Broncos and Packers. You know, it's, it's the same thing. They're top five defense in the league. But um, actually, I don't know if the Bengals are top five. I'll, I'll have to check that. But um, but they play really good defense. I think that uh, you know you just you want to get Dalton to make some mistakes and turn it over. Not sure how you do that, um, but you probably need to have a pretty good pass rush in order to pull that off. So I think um, you know getting a pass rush on them um, without losing containment on the run. Is probably is probably your best bet to get an edge to try to you know try to get him to play you know how he's played in in those games that made all the uh, Bengals fans question him all these years. But um, I mean, right now he's playing as well as anyone. Well, I think what we're finally seeing with with Cincy is is you know they've had Marvin Lewis has been able to stay there through you know through all these years and their ups and downs and their, and their playoff losses and whatnot. And I think what you're seeing is them just with that same, they've been able to build depth, you know, all the, all the draft choices, all the free agents they brought in, it's all by the same regime and they have a, a plan of what they want to do with these players. And that, that, that makes them, makes them scary, I think, because they just have so much depth. You know, we all scratched our heads when they drafted two offensive linemen with their first two picks. Um, and, and here they are, undefeated. And I'm not saying, you know, those two linemen, uh, Jake Fisher and Cedric Abui, are the difference. But when you make a statement like that, I think it echoes echoes throughout the organization and especially on the depth chart. It said, it said to these offensive tackles, the rest of these offensive linemen, okay, well, we're going to have to step up our game. Otherwise, you know, maybe maybe we could find ourselves at the bottom of the depth chart. You know, neither one of those guys are starting. I think Abui's still on the PUP list. But – uh they uh, that certainly I think made a statement, and uh, of course Andy Dalton he's only got two interceptions on the seat. Um, that that's that's huge. I mean, we've seen him throw that more than that in a half of a playoff game. So, um, so I think you, how do you beat him? You just you have to put pressure on Dalton. I don't know how you're going to do it, uh, but I think you know in their game against Buffalo, I talked about that last week. They had one quarterback hit. I mean, you got to hurry him. You got to get him uncomfortable that's going to cause you know when you get those QB hits it's going to cause bruising and slowing but when you get those pressures it's going to cause errant throws and uh not unsurprisingly it'll also cause turnovers so I think you just have to do whatever you can to get Andy Dalton out of his comfort zone and I one more on thing on the comical side the the red rifle Andy Dalton I think he got a new haircut and uh, that's kind of, he's kind of got that bull hawk thing going on. And he's got a little more swag this year, and he's playing a little bit looser. And I think, you know, it may sound ridiculous, but I think that's made a, a little bit of a difference in how he approaches the game. So maybe that's helping him out there. So uh, maybe we all need to get haircuts. Nick, do you need a haircut? Uh, no, I'm good on the full hawk haircut uh, personally. But, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe whatever works for him because he's having an MVP-type year for sure. 
Plus, uh, Cincinnati's got two solid running backs there and both of them versatile running backs. Uh, got a great receiver, another very good receiver, and a pretty good receiver, too, and uh, Green, Marvin Jones, and Sanu. Plus, Tyler Eifert's coming into his own there at tight end. Uh, the defense, I don't know what they are yardage-wise, but I know they're allowing the third-least points in the AFC, while the offense is uh, the second-highest-scoring offense in the conference. So, you know, this is going to be a tough team for anybody to match up with. Uh, the only thing I could say to best way to beat them would be to play them in January because until they win a playoff game, they've lost <laughs> three straight playoff games. Until they can win in the playoffs, it's going to be hard to trust them in January. Oh, man. I, okay, I know I know the Red Rifle and the company deserve that, but you had to go there next year. Um, Carolina, I guess I'll start this one. Carolina, how do we beat the Carolina Panthers? Well, I think it begins and ends with Cam Newton. I don't know if you guys can seriously tell me another player that is so irreplaceable in the league. I mean, maybe Tom Brady, but I just feel like Newton does it all. I mean, it's all on him, and he is the reason they are where they are. I mean, how do you beat him? I think you got to hopefully contain Greg Olson and make uh, Jace 2 carry the ball 20 times, and he's eventually he's eventually going to get hurt if he does that on a regular basis, right? So, uh, if, anyway, I, I, think, I think if you spy Newton, with your free safety and maybe patrol the patrol the edge like uh like you're watching your girlfriend at the swimming pool that's that's how you beat him but you have to you have to somehow just shut Newton's lanes down and just yeah and that this one is hard for me because I I, re- I really don't know because it seems like it's weird because it's it's all on him obviously this team would not be where they are without him but it's how how do you stop? I, I just don't know. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Um, there's they play good defense and they're really good at running the ball, um, and that kind of sets up a lot of the things that Kim Newton, Newton can do. And they run that read option a little bit, and Newton's one of those quarterbacks where you know he's built like a defensive end, so he can run the read option, he can take hits, he can absorb them. And um, he can keep going. So, and of course, he's you know he's like a LeBron James kind of athlete. He has like that Superman trait where, you know, he does things that uh, other athletes simply can't do. So, um, I mean, as far as how well he's played this year, I mean, he's been pretty opportunistic. I don't, you know, he hasn't really lit up the um, the stat sheet like the um, some of the other quarterbacks. But um, you know, and he does he does tend to turn the ball over. Um, so that's another thing that. Uh, that he's done this year, he's actually he has turned the ball over a bit. Um, I think he had three picks on on Monday night or Sunday night. But um, you know, if he can if he can pick off passes and you can um, you can try to slow down the running game and you can try not to turn the ball over because their their defense is pretty sick. So um, I mean, it's for for them. I think it it comes down to getting Newton to kind of play a little bit below his uh, his ability. Um, you know, if you kind of force him to, to play more quarterback um, and rely less on the running game, because they do rely on the running game a lot there, I think that you could uh, you could have a chance to beat them. And, you know, I, I think it really just comes down to that. You know, Newton has to play a pretty a pretty rock-solid game um, in order to, to win in January. So I think that's, I think that's a team that's just going to be, you know, it, it's not going to be as easy for them to win in January as it is now, um, because they're going to be playing these, you know, teams like the Packers and, uh, and of that caliber and the the Cardinals. So, um, I, you know, it's pretty easy now when they play the Eagles and they, they play the Buccaneers. But, you know, when it comes to January, I think, I think they might have some trouble unless, um, 
Cam Newton can really keep the whole game high and tight. Yeah. Okay. Um, Scott, I just looked up at the time. Are we, are we keeping you? I didn't want to. I didn't want to keep you too long. If you had somewhere to be or something to do, so that's okay. I have a few more minutes. We can. Okay. Uh, we can knock out. Okay. Yeah. We just. Okay. Cool. Yeah. We just got uh, New England left after Nick. Nick tells us how to beat them, Carolina Panthers. What do you got, Nick? Well, I think the game plan would be uh, similar to how you would beat the Broncos. you got to load up the locks to stop the run on first and second down and force them into third and long. If Jonathan Stewart's getting five to six yards a pop, I don't think you have a chance to beat Carolina. But, uh, you know, if you're forcing them into third and long, Cam Newton, as Scott mentioned, has uh, been a little bit mistake prone, probably just because he has so little to work with a wide receiver. He's got to force the ball a little bit. So, yeah, if you can force him into third and long and – and make Cam Newton make the plays, which he has done up to this point this year. But uh, I, I think they're probably the most beatable of the undefeateds right now. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And, um, I'll I'll start here with the last one, is because I just I got a couple quick statements, and that's all I could really come up with for New England. Um, I think it's the same way that teams have beaten them in years past. You just have to rush Tom Brady right up the gut, get in his face. Uh, kind of, you know, a little bit of the reverse of Aaron Rodgers. I feel like Brady is much better in the pocket uh, than he is when he has to roll out. So you have to constantly keep Brady moving. Uh, don't let him get comfortable, which I, obviously is easier said than done. And then you have to just press coverage Ron Gr- Rob Gronkowski the entire time. You have to somehow make sure that he's not uh, beating you downfield and make sure that he's somewhat contained. Obviously easier said than done, but... Uh, you know, he only had one really big play versus uh, the Colts on that Sunday night game, and that was a lot closer game than people thought it was going to be. So, Scott, what do you think about New England? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, defensively, they're they're pretty solid, but, you know, they did lose some some key players in the secondary last year, but guys like Malcolm Butler have stepped up. So they still have a very solid defense. A lot of people were questioning whether or not they would be um, – being as good in the secondary this year, but they're but they're pretty good. I don't think they're quite as good as last year. Um, with um, I think they were even going to move Devin McCourty over to corner because they were a little bit light there. But I think that um, you know defensively they're they're beatable. They're not they're not quite the Broncos Packers defensively, um, although they're still pretty good. But I think that you know with the with the Patriots making the playoffs pretty much every year over the past decade um, decade and a half, you know we've seen a lot of teams find out ways to beat them, and it's typically with um, it's typically with hitting Tom Brady. Um, you know, you don't want to necessarily blitz him too much because he's too good. And if you leave guys open and then he's going to find them, but you know, if he can hit them, you know, like the giants beat when the giants beat them in the Super Bowl those two times, they beat them with really talented defensive ends. They put four defensive ends out there. Um, they were able to shut down the run. So there was no threat of a run and Patriots would go five wide. And, you know, if you can, if you can get a pass rush on Brady with four people and play solid defense in the back and, you know, keep guys like Gronkowski covered up and Amendola, or I'm sorry, not Amendola, Edelman, Edelman covered up. Um, that's probably your best bet. I, I think, I think the formula has kind of been, been shown to us over the years. Okay. Nick, what do you think? 
Well, as much as as important as X's and O's are, uh, football is also a game of emotion, and this team's on a mission. So I think it all starts off the field. Uh, in the head coach's uh, Monday press conference before New England week, he's got to talk about how great the Patriots are and how Goodell's a horrible person for trying to taint their legacy and just lavish praise on Belichick and Brady. Call them both <laughs> the greatest of all time. Uh, do not, under any circumstances, give them bulletin board material like the Jets last week saying you prepare for Brady the same way you would with for Kirk Cousins. <laughs> That's just not a recipe for success against New England. I don't think that's ever worked for anybody. So just uh, just praise them all week and hope they take it easy on you. Ah, interesting. All right. Well, Scott, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Again, it's Scott Kimple, fantasydata.com. Uh, go there and you will not be displeased. I, I, I can assure you that. So, Scott, thank you for joining us, and hopefully we can, uh, we can have you back on sometime if you're open to. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. Yep, thank you. Have a great day. Right. Yep, good luck this week. Yep, bye. YouTube? Um, well, I prefaced it earlier talking about the weather, and it may be stopped, but just letting everybody know it's currently snowing in South Dakota. Uh, October 28th. Uh, it's snowing in South Dakota. But anyway, let's get to some Dynasty Trade Analysis. It's time for Dynasty Trade Analysis. Yeah, I'm glad you're everyone in your new team. I say, all right, all right, all right. Okay, we got uh, um a big boy trade in this one here. Can't remember the teams who did this. But anyway, Brandon Cooks and Travis Kelsey for Keenan Allen. And Jimmy Grant. Nick, what do you think? Uh, well, first off, I'm sorry to hear about the snow out there. That sounds just awful. But uh, <laughs> getting back to the trade. And you waxed your surfboard. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did have to use a sheet to stay warm last night, so it's getting a little oh. chilly here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to the trade, it looks like Brandon Cooks and Travis Kelsey, you're trading, you're getting rid of a couple of young guys with upside that haven't really proven anything yet. Uh, and getting Keenan Allen and Jimmy Graham two proven commodities in return, I, I like getting the two more veteran guys just because just cause they've been there and done that before, and neither of them are old veterans. They're both still in their 20s, so I, I like acquiring Allen and Graham. Yeah, it's hard to – well, it's not hard. I feel like people in Dynasty, um, especially people that have not been in it, you know, for a, a handful of years, tend to give up on these older players. You know, they think they can sell them off for younger players that they believe in. But unless you know for sure that, you know, Jimmy Graham is going to retire at the end of the year, I'm not saying he is, but I'm just saying unless he's come out and said that, you can't really underestimate their value because they're, they are veteran players. And, you know, two two years of Jimmy Graham is, could and ultimately be uh, uh, way more worth it than what Brandon Cooks is going to give you the next two years. So I – certainly something to consider in this deal. And, uh, you know, you're buying potential when you do a trade like this. And uh, Keenan Allen and Jimmy Graham have obviously proven a lot. Travis Kelsey has looked dominant at times, but it's it's not happening. And we would like to see him take over a little bit as, as, as they need him more with Jamal Charles out. But that, that has not happened. It's kind of had the reverse effect on him. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Keenan Allen side there as well. Got a couple of Keenan Allen trades here. But let's first do uh, Carlos Hyde and John Brown. 
Uh, for Adrian Peterson and Larry Fitzgerald, kind of the uh, the same shoe here, don't you? Uh, yes, but on this side, I prefer uh, the, the side that got the younger players, actually, just because I'm such a big John Brown fan. I, you know, a lot of people have been comparing him favorably to Antonio Brown, and I'm starting to kind of believe the hype there. I, I think the future is very bright for John Brown, whereas AP doesn't look like he has a lot left in the tank. He had the 70-some yard run last week, but other than that, didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald's having a great season, but you got to wonder how many more seasons he has left there in the tank. Carlos Hyde, you know, who knows? He's a guy who could have a lot of upside, but we, you know, unfortunately he's stuck there on a San Francisco offense that seems to struggle more often than not. But I think uh, getting John Brown makes is the kicker in this one, so I'll take the side that got younger. Um, well, I, I don't know on this one. I feel like um... – when you look at it, you know, you compare receiver to receiver given age and, and whatnot. I feel like this is a pretty even, especially when you're considering these like two guys from the same offense, albeit two different type of players. Um, so when I put Hyde against AP, you know, obviously what happened in the past doesn't factor into what's going to, what the production you're going to get out of uh, AP or Hyde, but I I don't feel like this this part of the trade is even. So I would lean AP and Fitzgerald just because obviously those are two guys you would never consider benching. You know, we talked about Lacey versus Denver earlier, and I don't think anybody was benching AP against Denver. And he, you know, he took him only took him the one play to make him a nice fantasy stat line, but he made them look foolish on one play, and it was worth it for starting him. There's Fitzgerald and. Uh, uh, excuse me, AP are two guys that you can start with confidence every week. Um, I think and really until they retire. Hyde, I don't know if you're going to be in that same type. I'm going to lean towards the veteran side there. Um, Keenan Allen in a, for a 2016 second and Deshaun Jackson. Another Keenan Allen trade here. Nick, what do you think? Uh, this trade kind of confused me, actually. I definitely like the side to pick up Keenan Allen. I, I just don't know why you would get rid of Keenan Allen at this point, especially, you know, if, if you're trying to get younger and you want the draft picks. You know, Keenan Allen's only in his third year, I think. So, you know, Deshaun Jackson's kind of an older guy, starting to be injury-prone. I I don't really understand why you would uh, why you'd trade away Keenan Allen at this point. Well, there is an ulterior motive in this trade. I want to. I want you to trade me Keenan Allen, one of our leagues. So I'm. I'm trying to. I'm trying to throw <laughs> some things out there. Um, so this wasn't really a trade that happened. It was just kind of something I thought I'd put you on the spot with. But uh, so I'm not close is what you're saying. All right, back to the drawing board. Sixteen uh, <laughs> team full IDP. This is a trade that I pulled off after many text and uh, correspondence. Uh, Matt Forte for Justin Forsett, 2016 first and a third round pick. So I gave up Forte, got Forsett, and a first and third round pick. Nick, what do you think? Well, when you told me about this, I thought it was a great trade, definitely, especially given your situation, your total uh, rebuild mode. You have no chance of winning this year, really. Uh, so I, you know, in with that in mind, I would have traded Forte for a first and a third to just the two draft picks and getting Justin Forsett on top of that, especially considering you also have Buck Allen and it's a best ball format. I think you came, you scored a big time in this trade. Yeah, and I wouldn't say I'm in total rebuild mode. I put guys like Forte and Fitzgerald all out there as well as Julius Thomas just to see what I, what I think I could get for them. And I don't think I'm going to do any – 
any more trading, you know, maybe some minor deals here and there. But when you look at it, it, it is the best ball. And I'm scoring a ton of points, and I'm just getting unlucky. And unfortunately, in a division with you and Bill, uh, Bill Latin and uh, Gary Bedette, the winner of TFW 36 last year. So I don't know how or why I put all, all of us in the same division. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, it's not it's not been for me. So I wouldn't say I'm ready to blow up the ship. I think I'm happy with the points I've been scoring. And I, here I saw an opportunity to, to maybe make my team a little bit better, a little bit stronger. Um, and I should have signed uh, Gary Barnage, but I didn't. Uh, but uh looked at that guy for three weeks. And watch them do nothing for three weeks, and now here we are. Uh, but I think it's I think it's a good deal. I think it helped me along the way. And and with this sixteen team format, I really would have liked to get prospects as opposed to picks back. Uh, but that's not happening. So I guess I could maybe try to trade more picks, more more picks now that I have more picks for prospects. Um, IDP sit them and start up. Quan Alexander or Eric Hendricks. What do you think there, Nick? Uh, well, you look at Quan Alexander, he's got three or more solo tackles every week, uh, one sack, one interception, and Atlanta could run the ball more than Chicago this week, which would raise the linebacker values. But Kendricks is quickly becoming a must-start player. Uh, 32 uh, solo tackles and four sacks, two sacks last week. So I'll definitely take Kendricks, even though it is closer this week than it, is, than it would be most weeks. Okay. Yeah. Um, or our IDP doctor on staff had some good intel about this, but I, I I think this might actually be a little bit closer than people think. Um, with the uh, the amount of receiving that the running backs do in Atlanta, um, I know they like to get the ball downfield to Julio, obviously, but I, I feel like Quan could actually maybe have a breakout game. And, and Kendricks, he's not – I love him and I own him, uh, but he's not – going out there being the 12 to 15 uh, tackle monster that everybody expected him to be. Uh, But he is getting some sacks here and there, which is kind of interesting, which is something that I did not think was going to come from him. So um, he is a rookie, and I think we're going to see some inconsistencies, albeit uh, an inconsistency for him might be not as bad as some others, but he might be a little – a little sack dependent, and uh, I don't know if if he gets a sack every week. And uh, I and I don't I don't want to downgrade him, but I don't I don't think this one is a complete slam dunk uh, in his favor. Uh, and I own him, so I love him. Uh, Sylvester Williams versus the Packers or Geno Atkins against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nick, what do you think? Well, I don't love either one. Uh, you look at Williams, a one-and-a-half sacks. Uh, never has uh, over, over five total tackles in a game this year. Never over two solo tackles. Uh, Atkins, though, has a sack in four out of six games and pretty similar tackle numbers. So it seems like he has a better chance of getting a sack. Uh, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would guess that the more mobile Aaron Rodgers gives up less sacks to the big defensive tackles than the more stationary Ben Roethlisberger. So I, I would take Atkins here. I don't know if I'd call Roethlisberger stationary. He maybe be a little not to a hundred percent in this game, but um, again, I'm going to use the game flow thing here. I feel like this is going to be such a tight game, and there's a possibility that you know Green Bay is going to be trying to run off the clock, and they're going to just you know run run as much as they can. And I and I I don't expect a huge you know breakout game from Williams, but I 
to, uh, to, to try to run it up the middle either. I think they're going to try to keep things light and, uh, and uh, do what they can to kind of wear this defense out on the edges. And I think that's going to not play, play into uh, to Geno Atkins, where it seems like week to week this might be a slam dunk. Atkins, I feel like it's going to be relatively close. Um, Mike Adams at Carolina or Barry Church versus the Seahawks. Nick, what do you think? Mike Adams is having a good year, 20 tackles, 11 assists, uh, four interceptions. Don't blame him for any struggles this season. Uh, Church actually has better tackle numbers, 27 solo, 15 assists, and both of them play this week against uh, run-heavy offenses with pretty good tight ends. Uh, I'm going to go with Mike Adams. I just think he's got a better chance for an interception. Plus, I would think that Jimmy Graham and uh, Marshawn Lynch would be better, better tackle breakers than Jonathan Stewart and Greg Olson. So it would be tough to start Church and then uh, see him miss a couple tackles and then lose just by a couple of points in fantasy because of two missed tackles. Uh, yeah, I, for a brief moment, thought I won, my, won one of my games on uh, Monday night when uh, Deion Buchanan made a tackle on that last drive, but of course there's a little bit of a scoring adjustment at the end of the game, and that uh, ultimately did happen for me. Um, so I don't know what that has to do with this, but I just thought I'd bring that up. Um Church, I, I just church is going to have to be more, you know, towards the line and maybe support the run a little bit. And um, Adams gets uh, gets the stage against uh, Cam Newton company, so maybe maybe he's in for another interception. But this is this is a tough one for me. This is kind of a kind of a flip of the coin too. That's why I tried to come up with some good good ones here. I think this is this is tough. I think just like you said, uh, Adams having the the more production throughout, not necessarily better tackle numbers, but more production throughout. I think I would also lean Adams there to uh, Nick. We are going to skip dynasty depth charger, even though I love that clip and we're going to, I'll have you do the same one next week. If that's okay with you. We're just running a little bit long here. Um, but we do, do have a, excuse me, do have a dynasty dilemma to get to. So we'll skip the music there and just hit it on you or hit it with you. Um, as we pick Jeremy Hill versus Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Langford versus Charles Sims. Now, I had the chance to go first, so I chose Langford. I had the choice. That means I go first. So I chose Langford versus uh, Sims. Uh, is this dilemma as simple as an opportunity makes Langford the bell call sooner uh, sooner than later there in Chicago? Um, it may be simple even, even though the mirage of Doug Martin's production can disappear in an instant. Uh, Martin seems to be crushing it right now as he is finally fully healthy. Uh, Sims is a useful PPR option, and I will still buy low on him if I possibly can, uh, but uh, you can buy low on him because his his ceiling is certainly limited right now by uh, Martin's solid season. Langford uh, is not a shoe-in to replace Forte next season or just in case Forte is traded this week. Um, Small, small window, but we know it could happen. Um, so he's not a shoe-in, but I think he was drafted by this new coaching regime, and he is certainly miles ahead of second-year blunder could even care. Uh, now, I'm not going to stand on a soapbox and scream to the heavens that Langford is the next Forte, uh, but I would also like anybody that hears this podcast to tweet me at Joshua Johnson underscore, excuse me, at Josh underscore DFW Pulse. They're bad scouting reports on Langford. I know the sample size right now was small, extremely small, but I, I feel like he is 
figuring some things out there. Uh, now, I believe him to be a gifted pass catcher and a powerful runner. Uh, our tailback whisperer on staff here, Brad Duffenberg, certainly talked me down a little bit on Langford this past May. And if you want to go read a draft pro- pre-draft profile of Langford, Brad wrote one of those, and Alan suddenly wrote one post-draft. Just kind of get how we felt about him back then. Um, but uh, I, I still think he's got some nice potential there. Uh, Martin is also free agent at season season's end, but he is no forte. Hence, it could be an easier for him to be retained, which limits Sims yet again. Footnote to this dilemma, I do not own Langford, but I do own Sims in, uh, in about a zillion leagues. I think I own him more leagues than I own Jarvis Landry. Um, so I'm really trying to put on the wrong shoe here, but I do envy the prospect that is Langford. And I do question the ankle break that befell Sims last preseason and how long that's going to if that has a long-term effect on his well, effectiveness really um sims sims is getting regular touches at the present and gaining valuable experience along the way while langford is the understudy to one of the most consistent backs in recent memory uh that seems to give sims the slight edge but i also like i said before the bears have no little to no interest in bringing forte back so langford has a clear opportunity albeit not a sure thing to be an RB2 with RB1 potential in PPR format moving forward. Nick, what do you got for us and Charles Sims? Well, it's such a small sample size, but between these two backup running backs, I believe Charles Sims is better both this year and in the future. Uh, Jeremy Langford only has 15 carries in the NFL, and it's not like he didn't play for the first four weeks and just has come on strong over the last two games. His career high was six carries in week two, and he's averaging a mere 2.3 yards per carry. So barring a Matt Forte injury, he's going to be fairly useless in fantasy this year. And if the aging Forte isn't around, as a fourth-round pick, Langford will likely face some competition next year, uh, be it from another mid-round pick or a veteran addition. But in Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers used a top-70 pick on Sims. Uh, But not only do they have more invested in him, he's actually starting to produce this year. 47 carries for 184 yards. That's just a hair under four yards per carry, plus another 16 catches for 210 yards and two scores in the passing game. Uh, Doug Martin hasn't played 16 games since his rookie year back in 2012. He's had 25 games over the last three years, so he's far more injury-prone than is Matt Forte. So I think not only is Sims a safer bet for 2016 and beyond, he also has performed better than Langford this year. He's getting far more work and has a much higher likelihood of starting at some point this season. But, hey, it's not all bad for Langford. Like you said, he's at least better than Kadeem Carey, right? Yes. <laughs> he is. I <laughs> and I don't really have much else to say about that. I know you I know you would attack his yards per rush, and, and there's very little... Very little, little touches, but I, I, that's also John Fox, and they don't play rookies. They, they, they groom them to let them run out to pasture the following year. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, got Mr. Chuck Podeisky being very, very patient on the phone here. Um, so let's patch Chuck through here. I see what you did there. <laughs> Ready to put your money where your mouth is? Yeah, oh, I like that. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, 
we are running a little long, Chuck, and I'm sorry about that. But uh, that's okay. I do have to pick up. I do have to pick up my daughter at school in about 25 minutes. So I'll just preface it. Well, with good. That. I uh, had to get out of here also. So um, uh, I tell you what, I was five and zero on Chuck's choices last week, and I'm very proud of that. And our sweeps went four and one this week. Uh, so you know, we should all be proud of that. And which one did we lose? We lost the Redskins. They won, but they didn't win by enough. Oh, jeez. Well, the rest come of on, them we won. We, yeah. <laughs> we won. Uh, we we uh, took the Jets plus nine against the Patriots. By the way, I think that one went down to like seven and a half or something, but we still would have won. Uh, we lost mm. on the Redskins. We won on the Saints. We won on the Raiders. And we won on the Panthers. There you go. All right. Um, so let's let's hit it. New England hosting Miami. What do you got for? Going to do the Thursday night game. Oh yeah, that is Thursday yeah. night. I was looking. At, I was looking at last week's sheet. Sorry about that, Josh. Okay. Uh, Dolphins and Patriots. The Patriots are favored by eight points. at last check. I just think that's too many points. I think. Miami's some, figured some things out, and uh, they're obviously going to New England. Uh, you know, arch nemesis type of situation. I don't think they. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form that they will win this game. But I just think that's too many points. Division game. Upset. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with everything you said. There, it's just too many points. Miami keeps this one close. They're playing really good football right now, so they're not going to win, but they'll keep it closer than eight. Yeah, you guys probably know I've been high on the Patriots or on the on the the uh, Dolphins the last couple of weeks. They're a rejuvenated team, but uh, now they have to play the Patriots. And every time I think the Patriots are in trouble, that's you know Bill Belichick has had two weeks to look at the uh, the new rejuvenated Dolphins team, and this is at home. The Patriots. Even though they didn't do it at the Jets last week, they have a habit of beating people bad. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's, it's about time for another big Patriots win. So I'm gonna take the Patriots on this one. Okay. Uh, the snow has continued here in South Dakota, just like keeping everybody up on the weather. Uh, I just like to bitch about it, even though I live here and I deal with it every year. But anyway, uh, let's go to London, Detroit, at Kansas City in London. So. Neutral yeah. Field. Uh, well, I guess everybody wants to know if that snow is extending down to Kansas City for the World Series, Josh. I think that's the oh. that's the big question. Uh, anyway, the Chiefs are favored by five and a half points over the Lions in London. Uh, too many points for a team without the, without their best player. Um, plus, Detroit played in London last year, so I. I think that maybe gives them a slight advantage. I'll take I'll take the dog here once again. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I don't love it. And if it was Kansas City playing at home, I would probably give them that five and a half points. But I I have to go with Detroit here on the neutral field. Yeah, I want to know how they wrestle a game away from the Chiefs at Arrowhead and uh, and put it over in London. The Chiefs, I, I think, I don't remember the Chiefs ever playing in London, although they may have, and I've forgotten about it. But you know, it's kind of funny. The Chiefs were. Uh, have been a really crappy team, and then last week they have a big win, and all of a sudden they're five and a half point favorites over a, a Lions team that, granted, isn't that good, but they've started to find themselves in the past couple of weeks. And I think five and a half is too much, too. I'll make this our first sweep of the week. Okay. Uh, um, Atlanta hosting Tampa Bay. 
Falcons are favored by seven, and that's where it's pretty much stayed. It opened at seven. It's now at seven, and uh, the Buccaneers coming in after a you know good effort up in Washington. Oh, I feel like the albeit a good effort in Washington, I feel like a loss like that um, where it's going to rejuvenate a veteran team. I think a young team like Tampa Bay it could really really get inside them and just really make them think about it. I mean, obviously they probably had to watch the game film and, you know, they're practicing today with that in their minds. So I feel like there might be a little bit of a hangover. And I, I was actually a little surprised this wasn't more than seven points. And I, I think – I think we'll see somewhat of a decent game, but when you know if the, if Atlanta hits hits on a big play, a big pass play, I think this thing could just fall apart, and I think Atlanta wins this by ten points. So yeah, I'll take this. I'll take Atlanta minus the seven. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's probably only seven because people look at last week in Atlanta only beating Tennessee by three, ten to seven. But I think that was just kind of a wake up call for them. I know usually you have to lose for it to be a wake up call, but that game was so close uh, they should have blown out Tennessee. So I think they come out fired up and win big this week. You know, everybody expected the Falcons to have uh, last week as their big bounce back after their loss to the the, the Saints in New Orleans. Uh, but the the Falcons stepped into a, a tough spot last week as they were playing their they're playing on natural turf for the first time this year, which slows down fast teams like the Falcons. And they were also facing uh, the, a quarterback for the first time in in Zach Mettenberger. Uh, they barely won the game. I look for the Falcons to return to form this week. Now that they get back at home inside the dome and on a fast field, and this isn't so much a vote against the Buccaneers as it is for the Falcons, we'll take the Falcons uh, minus seven in our second sweep. There we go. Uh, Minnesota at Chicago. What do you think? Why don't, you, why don't you go first, Chuck? Give us a line. Go pick it first. Okay, we got the Vikings. <laughs> the Vikings favored <laughs> by one and a half points. Really couldn't draw anything from this game except that the Bears, you know, were were uh, were pretty good right before their bye week. Uh, now they had a bye. A couple of guys are getting healthy. It's a divisional game, and the Bears, if I'm not mistaken, have already lost one divisional game at home. They can't afford to lose another one. I also heard a, a funny thing. may make you laugh, but uh, they, uh, they are saying now that uh, – Jay Cutler has, you know, with all the guys injured, Jay Cutler has become kind of the leader and the voice in the team meetings and everything like that, which is good news. If they're happy with Cutler, that means the Bears play better. So I'm going to I'm going to take the Bears plus a point and a half. Um yeah, I said it earlier, I don't know when it was that Minnesota has not won in in Chicago in a few years and maybe 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 it's not a few years, but they haven't um they haven't had a very good record in Chicago over the last five years. I know that. And I, I feel like this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. And obviously Vegas thinks it's going to be pretty close with just being a point and a half, which I think is kind of a, maybe a small uh, dig or slight on the bears. And I think that's a little bit of a motivation factor. So I am also going to take Chicago. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I got to go the other way on this one. I just got to look at the two teams of defense. Chicago's given up 179 points on the year. Minnesota's only given up 102. So uh, I have to go with the better defense in this one. I pick Minnesota. Okay, uh, Arizona at Cleveland. Cardinals are favored by four and a half here. And as a matter of fact, just yesterday uh, they were uh, they were five and a half. 
so it's gone down uh, a full point in a day. Cardinals on the road, favored over the Browns. Hmm. Cleveland getting a little early love there, but pulling that down, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that just makes it more enticing uh, for the, the sharps. Is that is that is that the correct term there, Chuck? The sh- when when somebody sees this line go down, then isn't that when the sharps jump in and put all their money on Arizona? Well, yeah, um, the, the sharps are these people who uh, they're, they're the professional betters. Uh, they call them the sharps versus the squares, the pros versus the public. The sharps are the guys who who will wait for the good line and then jump on it. I don't know how that's going right now. Usually, usually know more about that like on Sunday morning. Okay. Well, I I think uh, Arizona, albeit it's not in Arizona, and they they're a different team on the road. I feel like we could be in for for a boat race here. So I think uh, I think I'll think the four four and a half is is a understate Arizona all the way in this one. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I almost wonder if the line's being bought down by all the Johnny Manziel fans uh, because you know they're saying that he may have a chance to start this week. So, but uh, I'm going to have to go with Arizona. I'm going to go the opposite here, guys. Um, I for some reason I watched I watched the game on on uh, Monday night. I was not as impressed with the Cardinals as I have been. I think they're. I don't think they're playing that well. The Browns at home, you got there's a lot to be said for the Browns at home, and uh, I'm going to take kind of a crazy picker, and I'm going to take the Browns. Okay, well, my my guy Eric Casillas, who I quote often, one of his hard fast rules is uh, never never take a road favorite over a field goal. I, I know I just went against that because he says <laughs> they, I think they. Uh, he said uh, they they only hit about a third of the time, so uh, we'll, we'll see. Well, this may be we'll this may be a little her. hangover. This may be a little hangover from from the time I picked the Cardinals over the Steelers a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You know, maybe that maybe that's yeah. still fresh in my mind, but uh, I just got a feeling on the Browns. Okay, um, St. Louis hosting San Francisco. That's you got a big line on this one. Uh, the Rams uh, actually have gone up a point in the last day. They started at seven and a half. It's now eight and a half points. Uh, the Rams. Um, the game is in uh, game is in St. Louis, um, and I don't really have a whole lot of reason besides this being a divisional game, and that's too many points. So I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Niners to uh, play with a little pride against the divisional opponent, keep this closer than uh, eight and a half. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. Every time it seems like we think the 49ers are just about to completely implode, they come out and win a game that they shouldn't. So I think they at least keep this one close. I heard a report this week that uh, Carlos Hyde has a uh, a foot injury that not a lot of people are saying much about, but it's causing him a lot of pain in running. Uh, But the biggest reason that I want to take the Rams this week is simply because of uh, Jeff Fitcher's, uh, you know, the Rams will will, will beat their division. The time to go against the Rams is uh, when they are playing somebody outside their division. Of course, they they beat the the Browns last week pretty easily. But um, I just know that Jeff Fisher really gets his guys up. Now, this is a tough one because I don't don't remember the last time the Rams were more than an eight-point favorite over anybody. But I just, you know, it's a vote for the Rams in the division games. It's also a vote against the 49ers as far as – 
as far as who they are and what they're doing, and, and it just it still seems to be in kind of disarray. So I'm going to take the Rams here, minus the points. Um, and flip this, just a quick note here. I'm pretty sure, I'm not positive, but I, I, I think I, I think I will trust my memory here because I want a few uh, a few shillings on it. Last year, this game, San Fran at St. Louis, was a Monday night game, and the Niners were favored by seven. And uh, I think the Rams scored two touchdowns right away and ended up winning by a, winning by uh, ten points or something like that, as being seven point dogs at home. So, um, just funny how the NFL flips. Uh, New York at New Orleans. What do you got? Saints are favored by three in this one. They started out with a hook at three and a half. It's been bet now by the, I imagine, by the Giants fans down to three. Man, for once, I like the hook. That enticed me to take the Giants, as this could be like one of those 20 to 38, or sorry, excuse me, 30 to 28 type of games. But uh, just three. I I guess I'll flip since there's no hook and go with New Orleans because I really really like the hook. So I'll, I'll take New Orleans minus three. Don't love it. Chuck, why don't you go first? I just like the I, I like the way the Saints are playing. I think they got a little mojo going down there, and especially when they get home indoors. You know, they're a different team down there. On the other hand, the Giants have not impressed me. Even though they won last week, they had to do it on a on a hundred yard uh, kickoff return, almost at the end of the game. So, um, you know, and and the the Cowboys did everything they could to lose that game. The Giants really didn't win it. I didn't think last week. So, not impressed with the Giants. I guess they're getting uh, Pierre Paul back this week, right, Jason Pierre Paul. Playing this week. Oh yes, I forgot. Uh, yeah, I'm still Yeah, I'm still going to take the Saints. I like the way they're playing. I, I like the mojo, and we'll, we'll ride them for another week. And the Giants' defense, while while they scored a touchdown last week against Dallas, that also helped their cause. They they have not been, I think, as good as people thought they were going to be. They certainly have holes, and we know Drew Brees knows how to how to expose them with and use all of his weapons to his strength there. So, Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I have to go with the Saints. And as far as uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is concerned, I, I have to actually see him uh, be productive on the field with his new physical limitations before I would actually trust him. So I would definitely have to go with the Saints here. All right. I want to refer to a couple of weeks ago when we called him Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, <laughs> P-A-W. <laughs> uh, that's... Okay, and that's uh, our third that sweep. That be his new nickname. All right, cool. Uh, ooh, big game here. Cincy, the undefeated Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Got a microscopic well, line here for us, Chuck? Well, just pick the winner. It's a pick em. It was one and a half for the Bengals, and uh, a lot of money is coming on the Steelers early. So uh, the Bengals are, uh, excuse me, it, the game is at pick em. Um, just because I don't think Cincy is a team that can run the table, I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this game. Even though I don't, I don't think Roethlisberger, if he plays, is going to be 100%. And that might might limit them, but uh, they have Le'Veon Bell. I mean, <laughs> well, hey, you know, when finally they might be, even though Roethlisberger isn't 100%, they are close to full strength, and that's going to be a boost for them. But I think. I think they somehow eat this game out. Nick, what do you think? 
Uh, I have to go with the Bengals. I mean, we, we don't even know for sure that Roethlisberger is going to play. He tried to practice last week, and his knee started swelling up, which prevented him from playing in last week's game. So, he, he, you know, if if Roethlisberger plays, I'd be more inclined to go Pittsburgh maybe, but I still think I would go Cincinnati, especially in a pick I kind of get the feeling that the the Steelers were glad Roethlisberger couldn't play last week. I, I, I think they, they are going to love having him start this game against the Bengals. It's a it's a divisional game. The Bengals are undefeated. Roethlisberger's coming back. Uh what better setting to knock off an undefeated team than than that? Uh I'm gonna go with the Steelers with the home team here. I wonder if Heinz Ward was still playing if he would be a better quarterback option than what uh Pittsburgh has rolled out there without Roethlisberger. But uh I'm trying to be funny. Uh, Baltimore hosting San Diego. Ravens by three and a half. All right, go ahead and tell us what you got. Um, just because I don't know what what are there two more disappointing teams this season than the Ravens and the Chargers? Um, I you know I this this is a this is a dartboard game and I'm taking the Chargers only because I kind of I remember them coming into Baltimore last year and uh, and and playing the, the game of their life they uh, they won the game I'm looking for good memories and I'm going to take the Chargers and hope Keenan Allen has a big game I think Baltimore wins this game and I don't really know why but that's that's what I'm going to say Nick what do you think. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Ravens. Just because it seems like they've they haven't been getting blown out in most of their games. They've been keeping it close and losing at the end. So I, I think they can beat the Chargers. Okay. Um, Houston at Tennessee. The who cares game of the week. Well, I think we're going to have to skip this. I think we're going to have to skip this one, Josh, because last night there was no line. I just looked a couple minutes ago. There's still no line on this game from anybody across the board. So uh, it's uh, obviously because Mariota. uh, We don't know if Mariota is playing. And of course, hey, Arian Foster got hurt last week. (laughs) What? I'm shocked. Again? I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh oh, at him. I know me, he's worked really, he's worked really, really hard. But uh, yeah, uh, so there's no line. I, you know, if if you want to just pick a winner on this game, I'll uh, I'll take the the Titans. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the Houston Texans. We already buried them enough. I mean, Mettenberger, <laughs> Whitehurst, Billy Volick, Tony Banks. Rex Grossman. I don't care who the Tennessee quarterback is. I'm taking the Texans in this game, or excuse me, the Titans in this game. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, especially if there's no line, I I got to go with Tennessee all the way. Although they did get rid of that bad seed Ryan Mallett for the Texans, so you know that that may make a difference. Well, they still have their coach who can't seem to do anything there. So. Um, <laughs> Jets hosting my Oakland Raiders. I guess I'll go first after Chuck give us the line, gives us the line. No, the it's, the Raiders are hosting the Jets. Your Raiders are at home. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yep. The Jets are favored by two and a half points. As a matter of fact, that's up a point and a half from yesterday. There's a, a lot of folks jumping on the Jets. The Raiders are at home getting two and a half. Oh, I love a good home team dog, but I also don't like 
when the public starts to respect my Raiders. I know I demand it all the time, but I don't like it, so I'm going to take the Jets. Plus, I like to be happy either way. Josh. <laughs> uh, you want to go ahead, Chuck? Um, I've got the Raiders all the way in this one. The Jets had a tough game against the Patriots last week. They're traveling across country. Um, the Raiders just have some mojo going after that bye week. I've, and I, as a matter of fact, I added Sebastian Janikowski to my uh, my fantasy roster this week in preparation for this game. So let's take the Raiders. Like uh, they're going to get like six field goals, eighteen to eighteen to six. All right, I like it. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to side with Chuck on this one. I think the Jets last week against New England uh, played the game of their life to only lose by seven, and, you know, they just might not have a a lot left in the tank for this week against Oakland, especially after going all the way across the country. So, go Raiders. Okay. Um, Thanks, guys. Thanks for picking me up there. Uh, Seattle at Dallas. Home team dog alert. What do you got for us, Chuck? Seahawks favored by six. Okay. Um, too many points. I think Dez is going to play, which, you know, I mean, I guess that match, he matches up with Richard Sherman, but I think that has a trickle-down effect on the rest of this offense. So I, I think they I think they squeak in there and not lose by uh, six points. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think they win, but I think they can cover the spread, so I'll take Dallas. Okay. Chuck? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Did did Seattle get good overnight or something? That good enough to go on the road and give up six points? I, I, I think the public is still giving too much respect to the Seattle Seahawks. The the uh, the Cowboys, despite their record, uh, somebody made a comment this morning. They're still the best team in the NFC East. Seahawks are struggling. I don't think they've really. I mean, you know, they had a twenty to three win over the Forty ers last week. Um, what does that prove? It proves nothing to me. Um, I'm going to take the Cowboys plus the points. And that's another another clean sweep. Um, sorry. Ooh, finally we get to talk about this game. Green Bay at Denver, the Sunday night matchup. Packers favored by three. I I said it earlier, and I don't know how it's going to happen. Maybe the defense will score two touchdowns. But I think neutral site in Green Bay, Green Bay wins this game. Denver's getting a little little disrespect, not being not uh, being or being by being dogs at home. I think Denver wins this game, and uh, so if you're giving me points, I got I got to take it. Nick. What do you think? Uh, you brought up the fact earlier Denver's got the worst quarterback rating in the NFL this year. Uh, so that going up against Aaron Rodgers, I have to go with Green Bay in this one. Nick, you know, you could make good points either way on this one. I mean, when was the last time the Broncos were getting points at Mile High Stadium or whatever they call their field now? Uh, but but look at the Broncos. They, they've got a, a poor offense. The Packers have a good defense and a good offense. Uh I just don't see the Broncos losing uh, to the Packers at home. So uh, Peyton Manning may not have an arm anymore, but he's still got his brain. And somehow the Broncos do it. I'm just hoping for a good game from from Eddie Lacy because I got nobody else to play it at running back. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. <laughs> so, um, it's one of those uh, wars of attrition on my on my running back situation. Okay. Well, it's Sports Authority Field at Mile High. Thank you. Oh, I could still call it Mile High. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. Two lines on a Social Security card there. Um, um, last one. Monday night. Carol, is it Carolina hosting the Colts? Yes, Carolina is a six and a half point favorite over the Colts. Six and a half. Wow. Well, I saw seven, and I went, hmm. Well, if you're giving me a six and a half, I think I will. Uh, I think I'll take the pa- uh, the Panthers here in this one. I'm just uh, not uh, not sold on the Colts at all, and uh, now they have to go on the road after after a confusing loss. I think on Sunday, so I'm going I'm to go with the Panthers. Keep. Keep it going. Stay undefeated. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think the Panthers can win this by at least a touchdown. It just doesn't seem like the Colts have any fire in them right now. Uh, Jeff Pagano, his days are numbered definitely. So i got to go with Carolina. Well, Josh, you were right. Uh, it was up to seven, but as a matter of fact, this game opened at five and a half when it opened. It went all the way up to seven, and it's now settled back down to six and a half. I don't I, I, I'm just going to keep betting against the Colts until they prove me wrong. They they just seem to not be a good team. There was speculation that Andrew Luck really isn't healthy, uh, that, but he claims he is. So, I mean, what, what's worse, if he's not healthy or if he claims he's healthy and they're still playing this badly? Um, the Panthers are on a roll Monday night. I, I, I'm going to take the Panthers. It's tough for me to ask a team that doesn't score that many points to win by six and a half. Um, but I'm going to go ahead. And I, I may change this by Sunday, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Panthers here on the show. Okay. So we, is that another clean sweep? That sure is another clean sweep. Okay. Um, so let's. We got Saints, Falcons, Lions, Titans, and Cowboys. Is that right, Chuck? Saints, Falcons, Lions, Cowboys, and Panthers. Oh yeah, we all took the Titans too, didn't we? But we don't know what the line mm. is on that. So we have six. We of call, them. We're call, Yeah, we're calling it pick them. So yeah, six of them this week, and we were four and one last week. So <laughs> might as there well be go. a pick them. Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, Josh. I want to just uh, I want to just take like one one minute to uh, to comment on something as far as uh, fantasy and betting go. Sure. Hello. Uh, the uh, the daily fantasy sites. A lot of you may have heard that uh, that Las Vegas has declared it gambling, and a lot of people are saying, well, Las Vegas has, has shut out the daily fantasy sites here. Not just Las Vegas, but Nevada. Uh, the truth is that uh, what what Nevada did is they said that it's gambling and the, the daily fantasy sites are welcome to go ahead and operate in Nevada if they get Nevada gaming licenses. They're, they're totally, you know, it's, it's okay to operate in Nevada if they get licenses. But what this does is put the daily fantasy sites in kind of a sticky situation because they've claimed all along that their sites are, are not gambling, but they're games of skill. And if they apply for a gaming license in Nevada, then they are uh, admitting that their sites are gambling. So it's an interesting. It, it'll be an interesting saga to follow in the newspapers in the weeks ahead. Okay, that is that is interesting. Well, that is all we have for you. This has been the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, next week we have uh, DFW senior writer Luke Grilly stopping by. 
Um, I haven't told Nikolai yet, but we have a three-headed dynasty dilemma coming up for you then, and we're also going to hand out some mid-season awards, so you're not going to want to miss that show next week. Uh, Big thanks to Scott Kimple from Fantasy Data and those boys over there for helping us out, and glad that we could certainly return the favor. Um, Thank you, Chuck, as always. Uh, Great stuff. Nick, any closing thoughts? Uh, I just want to clarify real quick. I'm too old and uncoordinated at this point in my life to learn how to surf, so no surfboard over here. I'm more of a boogie back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, th- I'll think about that statement as I'm using the snowblower in a couple weeks here. But anyway, that's all we have for you. Thank you for listening. This has been the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I'm Joshua Johnson. He's Nick Wagner. Have a great weekend, folks.